Welcome to Phone Messages, Episode 133, Enjoying Your Dinner. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number seven from Joel Waller. The message is 18 seconds long and comes from the fall of 1989. Here we go. Ah, that's nice music, and uh, I hope you're enjoying your dinner, Paul. It's Joel again. I'm just, uh... Anyway, man, I'm just, um... Calling to... Say, how the hell are you, anyway? I guess I said something about the music and something about your dinner, and then, which seems odd, but maybe your message mentioned food or something? I could have had a message that said, I'm out for dinner or something. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I thought I said I'm calling you, and uh, God, I sound depressed, don't I? Ugh. So going back to Columbus, uh, what was the restaurant scene like? Mostly, if I'm not making my own food. It would have been like Skyline Chili. That was something. It's uh, chili that, that they serve it on pasta. Um, there was a, a Euro place, a Greek diner place that I would go to quite a bit, and it wasn't far from the library. But I I was not getting out a whole lot to restaurants. There were bars. That's more what I remember. <laughs> so there were a few places I would go, like this one place I can't remember. I, I think it might have been Larry's. That was not too far from campus. Had a you know a lot of character. That's where the grad students hung out, and that's where, according to the lore, of Phil Oakes got his start. There was the Blue Danube that had a, like more low lighting and uh, a little more romance, I guess, but it still had a lot of grunge. Yeah, you know, even there, to be honest, I mean, going out was not such a thing. I I, I do remember sometimes I'd be at the library on a football Saturday, and uh, it would be dead, but I could hear the games, I could hear the crowd the stadium like for the whole campus area when there was a big crowd at a football game you could hear it for probably miles so yeah ohio state is a big football town what was that like it was a little weird i mean i went to one game with my dad it was the um, buckeyes versus the badgers and that was kind of fun the crowd and the band at halftime but occasionally win or lose the crowd sets trash cans on fire and and it would be quite noisy it was a good time to go if i didn't go to the library i often go to the grocery store you know no lines it, it it's a little sick though i mean i remember a t-shirt that said bone bow and it showed the michigan coach kind of bending over you know it's great to root for the home team but this idea of sexual violence somehow has to be part of the rivalry between ohio State and Michigan is, um, and other schools do that. I mean, I remember uh, there was a Badger T-shirt that said uh, Newcomb Bucky. Yeah, I think there was also Fuckum Bucky. So I don't want to single out Ohio State. I think it's that whole big football culture. I mean, I'm a hockey fan and everything. I don't mind a little bit of violence in sports, but you know, it just struck me as, like Chomsky says, like training in mindless jingoism. You know, rooting for laundry. So we we were red and we hate blue. And um, you know, it became one of those things where you're, you're aware of when the home games are because it's going to change everything in terms of traffic. Like, it creates this weird, quiet, it's quiet for a little while, and then you'll hear the roar of the crowd. But everything shuts down, not quite shuts down, but it's almost like a ghost town. Everyone's either watching the game on TV or at the game, it seems like, except for me <laughs> and the poor cashier at the Kroger <laughs> selling me my groceries. And... uh you know, the day after, there's a lot of mess to clean up. I remember walking around on a Sunday sometimes and just being kind of astonished at this 
aura of hangover is everywhere. There's puke and there's trash. It's just disgusting. Ohio State has a notorious history of overenthusiastic fans, especially when it comes to its rivalry with Michigan, which dates back to 1897. In 1954, for example, when the Buckeyes defeated the Wolverines for the Big Ten title, a bonfire of trash cans blocked traffic in downtown, and firefighters trying to respond found the air had been let out of their tires. In the 1980s, these celebratory riots had become so common that in preparation for the 1986 game against Michigan, all but one fire extinguisher and all the traffic gates in the university parking garages were taken down to prevent vandalism. Bars were asked to serve beer only in cans and plastic cups, because of the danger flying glass creates. And finally, there were 250 police officers in riot gear assigned to certain streets and rooftops, ready for the chaos that might follow. Michigan ended up winning that day, 26-24, and Buckeye fan reaction was merely tears. The most serious night of destruction came two decades later, in 2002. Again, it happened after the Buckeyes defeated Michigan, when cars were set on fire and dozens were arrested. The event sparked an apology by Ohio State President Karen Holbrook, and the university created a task force to prevent future celebratory riots. Their report found the rioters were mostly young white men and only half were Ohio State students. Of course, as Joel suggests, violent fanaticism is not unique to Ohio State. In fact, it is not even unique to football. What might be surprising is that these events are almost always associated not with teams losing, but with winning. According to sociologist Jerry Lewis, the celebratory riot is unique to North America. Unlike in Britain, for example, when soccer crews get rowdy after a loss, in the U.S., We go crazy when our team wins. Drawing on studies of the 2002 Ohio State incident and other post-victory riots, Lewis created a theory for when sports fans are most likely to become violent. Not surprisingly, contributing factors include if the game is part of a traditional rivalry, it's a close score, and it leads to a championship. All three were the case in 2002, when Ohio State beat Michigan for the Big Ten title by less than a touchdown. Ideal conditions for a black eye on Buckeyes. If you're in a celebratory mood and want to set this podcast on fire please contact me through my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com.
I had production assistance this week from Sadie Levin. Many thanks to her and to Joel for his contributions. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.